Right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Hey Mate, Can You Talk? Once again, I'm Pete Owen. And I'm Andy Cavell. And today we are joined by a special guest. Uh, we're going to have a lengthy conversation with today. Welcome uh, to Mr. Joey Thompson. Good afternoon, good evening, and welcome. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. No problem Cheers. at all. So, for everybody watching at home, let's pretend they don't know who you are if they don't follow uh, Superbike Racing and no everything worry. like Not that. Not many people know who I am. <laughs> I laugh at them, a pretty big introduction. <laughs> uh, just uh, tell everybody who's watching uh, who you are and what you do. Um, so, yeah, my name's Joey Thompson. I'm 25, 25 years old now. Yeah. So, um, getting, getting there. <laughs> I race motorbikes at places such as the Isle of Man TT, uh, Northwest 200, uh, BSB, British Superbike Championship. Yeah. And like to call myself a professional motorcycle racer but I don't make a great deal of money out of it it's more of a it's more of a passion that in, um, you can't seem to get away from doing if you like um, so yeah race at all these different road races um, yeah I don't what know a way what else to, to say. <laughs> I don't make a living out of it. <laughs> I wish I did. I mean, I completely get the bit where it's a bug that you can't get rid of. M- yeah. Myself and Andy, we both ride bikes as well. Yeah. So, and and that's something that's that's our therapy. Yeah. I mean, even if it's not a lot, if somebody paid me to go out on my bike all day, I'd be pretty happy. Just petrol. <laughs> just, just give me fuel money. Yeah. The, the thing is, though, if you did start getting paid for it, and that's what you had to go and go to work every day, I think the enjoyment would go. It does. Um, it does. Yeah. So I don't know. You you'll know yourself. You know, you do DJing and, and, and stuff like that. You know, before you got paid for it, was it more enjoyable? Um, I, I'd say it's a, and you'll probably agree with me, it's a double-edged coin, isn't it? It's like, mm-hmm. you love what you do, uh, but once you rely on that, yeah. and I, I get what you're saying, it's like something that kind of does take, because there's some, I suppose it probably feels the same, there's some meets you don't want to go to or yeah. you're not feeling like, oh, you know, you've not had much rest from meets yeah. before and races before and stuff like that. So I completely get what you're saying, there, yeah. There was a very small section of sort of my road racing career where I wasn't doing anything else. And that was, you know, yeah. my only perp- All I was doing was going from race to race Selling and hoping it, yeah. I got a bit of prize money so I'd be able to pay bills and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, exactly what I said, I started to stop enjoying it. Yeah, and, and, and that uh, had pressure as well. Yeah, I started thinking, you know, I might maybe give give this one a miss because it's going to cost me this much to get there mm. and I might only get even if I win I'm only going to get this much back yep. is it really worth it for the circle like three or four hundred yeah, quid probably yeah. not yeah. And but when when you're doing it on the side don't get me wrong I was talking to someone about this the other day although I'm not professional it is more hugely more than a full time job literally every spare hour that I've got and even when I'm working as well all my time's going into motorbike racing you know emails trying to get sending invoices trying to get sponsors to pay yeah. trying to get more sponsors so I can afford to go and do more racing um, and the uh, Macau Grand Prix we've got got coming up in uh, in a few weeks time which if anyone doesn't know what Macau Grand Prix is it's uh, it's a little island uh, just off the coast from Hong Kong. Yeah. Don't actually know where it is. I didn't listen in geography. <laughs> <laughs> didn't actually listen in geography in school. But it was it, never my strong point either. To be fair, <laughs> it, it, it's fifty miles on a flight or a boat or whatever yeah. from Hong Kong airport, and it's um, it's a cool it's, race. Yeah, it's a street race. Similar, yeah. similar. I'd say it's similar to like Monaco Grand Prix, yeah. but for motorbikes. Yeah. There's yeah. loads of car races there as well, yeah. which makes it. But. The um, the Asians over there, and, and especially the people from Macau, go absolutely wild for it. Like after the motorbike race, there's like a track invasion. All the all Big the party. fans running on. Yeah, oh yeah, massive party, <laughs> massive party. That's the only reason we're going. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. There's nothing wrong with that though, because there's got to be perks to doing these things. Work hard, play hard. Work hard, play hard. Indeed, yeah. We're, we're going there to race motorbikes, and and, and that's the main thing. But yeah. um, you know, there's no no other race that you know you get paid to go out there. For So <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I think that's something we need to look at. Um, you know, you and your mates, and my dad isn't actually going now. He did, he did plan on going, but for him to have uh, eighteen days away from home and yeah. his wife and it's a long com- time yeah. co- commitments at home and yeah. his dogs and everything. So it'd have been nice to have him there, but um, yeah, I'm going with Eddie who's worked for me for two years now. And I say work, he doesn't get paid. <laughs> he, d- he, d- he just volunteers and gets... It's a, a labour of love. Yeah, and gets a free free pint of Guinness every now and again. But, um, you know, he gets to travel all over the world helping, you know, 
where else can you get to do that? Yeah, exactly, uh, it doesn't yeah. really cost him anything, but um, he does work hard, like. And uh, Jim, another one of my mates, is going over to help work on the bike, and, and that's it, to be honest. It's just rider and two people, right? Um, and yeah, eight, 18 days over there, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a long time. L- last time we went, they were massively strict on COVID over there, and yeah. when I say massive, we were locked in a hotel room for right. seven days on arrival. Yeah, no windows. Wow. <laughs> because in China, when you're 18 stories up, the COVID can fly out the window. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> c- c- can fly 18 stars down into the mouth of people and kill them. Yeah, but yeah. Th- you yeah. know, but, but that's what it was then. We we, we have to uh, we have to respect it. Mental Although, time. Yeah, I wanted to... It was looking back, though, when it COVID was a crazy, crazy yeah. time, I think, for everybody. This, th- when we were there, I've got videos on my phone. So morning and night, 8 a.m. every morning, knock on the door. Two people with hazmat suits, you know, <laughs> everything, full hazmat, yeah. swabbing us morning and night. Just to Surely, it, yeah. right, if we do one on arrival and then we're locked in a room for seven days and then do one on exit, yeah, that would be all right, but yeah. not twice a day. And when we got tested here, it, it was deep, wasn't it? It was, yeah. it was yeah. like here. <laughs> These guys touched your brain. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even joking. When they took that thing out, I was looking to see if it <laughs> No wonder I'm so stupid. <laughs> I've had all my brain pulled out. <laughs> Absolutely. Mate. But without that in place this time, you're looking forward to going... Yeah. When, is it, when is it you fly out? Um, so we fly on the 6th of November. Um, it's quite a long flight over there. Um, they saw everything from leaving your house, like so. We just say we'll go from Leeds Bradford. I think we go from I can't remember if it was Leeds or Manchester to Gatwick, yeah, and then fly yeah, us yeah. Gatwick to Hong Kong. But uh, last year, because of the COVID restrictions, you weren't allowed to fly anywhere from Hong Kong because of the lockdown or whatever. Yeah. So it took us five flights to get there. Wow. Um, yeah, we went from um, uh, we went from Manchester to somewhere in France. I think it was. Uh, it was par- the big airport in Paris. Gaulle, yeah. Then Paris to Vienna, which is Austria. Yeah. yeah. Austria to it was either Taiwan or Singapore yeah. on the way there. Then Singapore to Macau, Macau airport. On the number way back, it was the same from Macau to Singapore or Taiwan. I think we missed out Vienna on the way back and just went straight to Paris and then to. So it was some mission to get oh, there yeah. and back last year. Yeah, then. Well, hopefully this year it's a bit easier then. And uh, how were the race last year? The race, yeah. How did you get? Um, it was the fir- It was my first time there. Yeah. Uh, it was very last minute. It was you know like three weeks to go. And yep. We decided we were going to do it. We agreed to all the COVID things, and I rode for uh, for a guy that was my mate. Okay. Um, and w- I'd, I've never ridden the bike before. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just went straight there on a bike that I've never ridden. And uh, don't get me wrong, the bike was good. It never missed a beat. But uh, we just lacked a lot of preparation, myself the and, and the bike as well. Yeah, we, ne- exactly, we needed yeah. time on the bike and, you know, bike needed a little bit bit more work mm. and stuff. But I appreciate, you know, the opportunity yeah, to go yeah. with the team that I rode that year and it, and it served a purpose. Experience, um, isn't it? Yeah. But this year I go on a bike that I've done a, a couple of months on now, the R1. We got it after the TT right. for anyone who doesn't know much about bikes. This year I've only raced uh, 600cc, which is about 130 horsepower. And after the TT, we decided we were going to get um, a, a, what's classed as a superbike, which yep. is 1,000cc. It's a Yamaha R1, uh, probably like 210 plus horsepower. Yeah. So it's a big, it's a big jump. It's almost like a like an 80% yeah, yeah. <laughs> jump in power. Um, and I've done a couple of races to get used to that. I did uh, British Championship, the BSB class, which was really, really difficult. But I did quite a good job considering I've done short circuits in two or three years. Um, and did another short circuit race as well. So going there quite prepared on a bike that I know, and uh, you know, me and my dad have, have done all the work on it really. Good. Um, so it's a bike that we know inside out, and just exciting. Yeah, yeah. A, a place like that, the Macau Grand Prix, there's there's no room for error. No. You, you've got two walls, one on the left and one on the right, yeah. and it's an Amco barrier. Yeah. You know, solid steel. Yeah, you ain't yeah. moving one of them if you hit it. No. Um, like the TT is dangerous, you know. You've got houses and lampposts, but majority of it's bushes and trees. You know, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. you if you come off there, you can go through a bush, or you might slip, you know, slip through a tree. But yeah. you've got no chance at Macau. It's just yeah, an yeah. armco barrier. So you want to be going on a bike that you're uh, really confident trust. on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's what we've got this year. Good, so. good. I'm at. I'm keen. I'm looking forward to it. I know. I'm <laughs> gonna be. I'm gonna be excited to watch the progress this year as well. Now that we've uh, we've had you live here with us as well. Now, we're bringing it full circle. Now, the reason you're here today is like me and Andy spend, well, 
I probably spend more time on social media than Andy does. Way uh, more. I, I wouldn't say way more. Way more. I spend a lot of my time on social media. With uh, are what you I an do. influencer? No, and I never, I, ne- <laughs> I never ever want to have that title associated with me either. Is I in- wish people would give me stuff for free. He's an influenza. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody needs testing every time I'm around anyway. But no, I, I wish people would give me stuff for free, but they don't. I'm not that popular yet. But... Um, and Andy spotted your post where you, the helmet that you wore yeah. on, on your races um, that you were you were giving away to to benefit uh, a, me- a mental health charity, yes. yeah. um, and he he sent it to me and he went, "Wow, just have a read of this." And I was like, "Wow, that's fantastic!" Because you know there were so many people in you know positions of influence or you know that that are sporting stars and everything like that, and they, they must get asked to do a lot of things I imagine you know sign shirts or give shirts away and or helmets or whatever like that but seeing your post was really quite nice and really quite inspiring so what what sort of possessed you where, where was your position why did you want to do that where's your connection to the to the mental health charity that you were doing that for well it wasn't until like the end of last year um, but I really started opening up uh, but at the stage of my life, I did have a lot of uh, mental health troubles. Right. Um, and it, it was just a coincidence that I put a sponsorship post up on, mm. on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever. Um, and a company called Pals uh, got in touch. The full name is, is Pals Battalion. Um, but based out of Lincoln area. And, and to be honest, um, I don't know a, a great deal about what they do aside from what they've you know, helped me with. And yeah. I know um, he's an ex-soldier, and a lot of people that uh, use his services are ex-soldiers. And um, he helps people that uh, struggle with PTSD, yeah. you know, when they come back from uh, from a war, and he'll put them through, you know, therapies, talking therapies and stuff like that, stuff that, uh, as normal pers- people, we go to the doctors and say we've got problems, mm. and all they seem to do is want to prescribe you with yeah. some kind of tablet to try and make you feel better when that isn't. It isn't always not a way. for everybody. No, is it? it's not. No, for we've dis- we've discussed this at different points during the podcast. Yeah. It's not for everybody, and and you know, there's no copy and paste solution yeah. for everybody, really, is there? No. Um, and I thought it was it was great what we were doing, and at the time, I wasn't really massively keen on opening up about mental health. Um, I wanted to help people, but I didn't really want to open up about about, you. about me. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted to help people in some way um, but then at one stage I thought you know what uh, if I it, you know it it sounds daft but if you can save one or two people from, from, from doing the worst then it's worth it isn't 100% it? that's yeah. our message exactly yeah. and, and if I've had I've had obviously not mention any names but from the first uh, time that I opened up about it it was on um, like a YouTube uh, documentary about me mainly about my race and about my life but after that I must have had in excess of 50, 60 people, you know, messaging with the problems, and yep. it sounds bad. I can't get, I can't get back, back to more. I try. No. I'll just, uh, you know, I'll say, you know, the basics. Mm. But there was one or two which were really, um, really deep. But I, I've read them all, like it um, resonated with. Yeah, you. and I yeah. just thought, yeah, you know, these these people do need help. And yeah, I sort of told them my struggles and what I did and what I did wrong. Um, so you know maybe they won't do a thing mainly about going to the doctors and I yeah. think you need to try and get help elsewhere because all they want to do is uh, is sell you that pill and you know you, you, every time every time you go every month you go and collect your tablet you're giving money to the government as well and <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. Hap- it, it, happiness and healthiness does come at a yeah, price it seems yeah, doesn't it yeah and so I, I didn't agree with that and I think the best the best therapy is opening up and talking um, and anyone struggling with with anything I think the first step is um, talking to anyone about what your problems are exactly and that's where that's where the, the name of, of of this show came from um, it was just something that sat in the back of my head and I says look hey, what do you think to this hey mate can you talk because sorry I'm about nine million miles away from the <laughs> microphone um, that really is a sentence that you hear when somebody's got something that they really want to say or that they're, you know, that they're trying to to kind of get a, a message over to you, and it's at that point that you kind of you go, okay, there's an important conversation coming here, and it's it's one saying it's okay to 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 say that, and it's two saying it's okay to accept it and to receive it and to be able to listen to that. So I think what you've just said that message is 
it lines up exactly what, with what we're trying yeah. to, to do here. Yeah, hey mate, can you talk is, is an open is an open question, and it, yeah. we, we've said it quite a bit. And since starting this, we speak quite quite a lot through the week, and and it, it's literally, have you got five minutes? And it might be something that we're planning for the podcast. Or oh, this has happened today, mm. and it, what we're trying to get across is like you'll probably appreciate out of them 50, 60 messages you had, some of them will be, you know, I'm just struggling a little bit. And what they really wanted was just a little message to cheer them up a little bit yeah. of somebody they admire, somebody they respect. And, and that can become from a colleague, a friend, yep. a family person. And then you've got people who've got deeper troubles who need that little bit of extra help. But if you can say, listen, we're here to listen. I'm really sorry you're going through that. But let, let's point you in this right direction yeah. and, and get you on the right road yeah. to, to feel a bit better. But you're absolutely right what you're saying. The first step is going, I just want to chat to somebody about it. And the minute you've opened that dialogue, yeah. things start to feel a little bit fresher, don't yeah. they, and a little bit better. Yeah. It's, the start, it's, the, it's the start of a journey towards going from where you are to, to where you want to be, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so tell us about this helmet. So, yeah, the helmet, it's um, it's a shame I couldn't have it with me, but it, it's up for auction at the moment. Yep. Um, and everything that we make off it, it's currently, I think it's just over two grand now. which is Awesome, good. nice. Everything um, that we make from it will just go straight back into the charity. Cause, yep. um, into Pals Battalion. We'll yeah. make sure we put the links up in yeah. the uh, yeah. in the yeah. podcast for that as um, well. I just think what we're doing what we're doing is, oh, back to the helmet. So <laughs> you've got a big speech bubble on the top, and it says, what's on your mind? Yeah. Um, which obviously isn't. I don't need to explain that. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, speak about what's yeah. on your mind. What's you don't need, you head. don't need to keep it in here. Um, yeah, and it's got on one side a happy face and a sad face. Yeah. And just a, a, one side with the, I can't remember which <laughs> side we were on, but it's just what, what people say to cover it up on yeah. one side. I'm so okay, I'm, I think, yeah, one of the sides. One is. of them says, it, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'll manage. And, and, I'll yeah. and the other one. Is, is the opposite, you yeah. know, I'm down, I'm sad, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm whatever, this is the way I'm feeling. Um, Who came up with the design? It was actually, uh, it was actually Leon from Pals, who was the, uh, who was the main man at, right, okay. at Pals Battalion that came up with the base idea, yep. and then uh, the, the guy that I used to, to paint my helmets sort of tweaked it and made it a little bit better, and, and that's how we... Uh, and that's it looks awesome. Yeah, it does it look cool. cool. It's yeah, a good-looking yeah. helmet. I like the colours as well. Yeah. Yeah. We'll flash it up on, on Yeah, the we'll get the image up. Yeah, yeah, I can put yeah. that up. Yeah. Everybody will be able to see so, it as well. But that's that. And it's just my, my way of, uh, of trying to get it across, because obviously... However many people go to the TT and watch it online, yeah. it must be in the uh, oh, well over millions, well over, over a couple of million. So many, yeah. so many. And, and what you've got now is, f- what I saw from, from this year's coverage is that's getting a lot better. Yeah. And, you, and, and it's getting bigger in America. Yeah. So you're seeing a lot more of, of, of those guys mm. across the pond yeah. kind of going, what the yeah. fucking hell is this thing? Yeah. They're allowed to do that yeah. on road. Oh, they all think we're absolutely mental over there, yeah. don't they? On, on TikTok, so one of the um, uh, what, we put a video on TikTok and Instagram, and I think the one on TikTok's over two million views now. Right, and the one on Instagram's at like a million. And it's after I've finished the, the race and I've got the helmet on and whatnot. And yeah, riding back into the part thermway where there's all the fans yeah. on the side. And so obviously, I'm not racing anymore. That's me done. And there was a picture of me taking my helmet off, cold pint of Guinness, <laughs> ne- necking neck it, necking it like that, putting my helmet on. And obviously riding around a little corner back into a paddock, nothing serious. I wasn't drink driving. Yeah. Um, and like you say, Americans and whatnot and Australians have gone absolutely wild in the <laughs> comments. Like, this dude crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy's just done 200 mile an hour around the TT and, you know, comes in next to a pint of Guinness like he's just done a 9.5. <laughs> we think we're nuts. It, it, joking aside, to ride the TT... 1890, I'd say probably nearly 100% of people would think that is mental. Yeah, I was also talking to someone else about this um, the other day, and everything, your first ever lap of the Isle of Man, I remember it, 2017, you know, it was the, uh, like, what, 20, 24th, 23rd of May or something, I can't remember what day it landed on. Okay. And, um, yeah, it felt insane because you've never done it before. Yeah. yeah. You've never done that speed before. Yeah. You know, you know, on circuits, yeah, you'll get up to maybe 150, 160 mile an hour. Mm. But you're also, you're also... Gravel. Yeah. <laughs> there's 100, 200 yards worth of gravel, so you yeah. don't get the sense of speed. Yeah, yeah you've done yeah. that speed. But 
you dump the clutch at the in the Isle of Man, and within five seconds you top in 180 mile an hour, and there's a house <laughs> there. But that's mad because, like you say, though, on a track, you're on a track. You you kind of lulled into the false sense of security on a track. Everything's yeah. safe. The TT, you're literally riding past someone's front garden. Doris has been tending her roses the yeah, week before. Literally, literally. And then you know you're cracking them speeds across someone's front front garden. Yeah. And you're seeing these houses go past, and, and you can understand why there's a bit of an issue why some people can't stick to speed limits in the UK. And But I, but it, it must be crazy, like you're saying, just because you're on roads, you're on yeah. British roads, yeah. cracking out them speeds. So uh, uh, it's, it's that first lap. You'll never, ever experience that, that first lap again. Yeah. Um, Losing your virginity. <laughs> you, could, you, you, you could say that. You could say that. It's... Um, it's oh, there's no way to explain it really. Once you have, you, you, you're chasing something every time, but you're right. never going to get again. That high, that first lap of the TT. Yeah. You know, your eyes, your eyes are like that. Like everything's also new to you. You've never experienced that speed, and every lap after that. Well, on your first year, every lap after that, you're just getting easier and easier and easier. But once you've done a couple of years and you know where you're going and everything feels normal, mm. then you're having to start. You know, chasing your lap times and your speed. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, it's still amazing. Yeah. But you don't get the same buzz. Like when you first do it, your lap time doesn't matter. Mm. All you're doing is doing it for Just enjoyment. To get it, yeah, and, and to get round. And that's when you get that's when you get the best feeling. You know, off off braille, hundred and on the six hundred, probably about hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy mile yeah. an hour. And going you over know, Ballard Bridge. Yeah, front Woo. front wheel in the air and just just riding down, looking for your markers. Because I did 140 laps around there in a car before I actually went to race. The just GT. to get used yeah, to it. Yeah, a full year I went over uh, nearly every other weekend on the uh, on the steam packet in a little Ford yep. Focus that I had at the time. Um, ended up leaving the car <laughs> over there because it got too expensive to bring so, it back. So you just went as a foot passenger? Yeah, no, well, so the, I, I drove it over there at the start of the year, left it there, oh, right, left okay. it there in a car park. But because I did 140 laps at... 37 and a half mile, how many miles is that for a little 1.6 petrol? Yeah. And, and when I was going over a mountain, I was absolutely foot to the floor. If the thing wouldn't pull up, I'd just drop another gear. Yeah. <laughs> thing would <laughs> be in the red line. Puff, puff, puff. But we got that car for that purpose. Like, yeah. right, it wasn't yeah, yeah. like it wasn't my car that I drove at home. We got yeah. it for, for learning because I didn't want to take a van over there. Or yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, the car was absolutely wrecked at the end of it. Like completely wrecked. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. even worth paying for it to take it back. <laughs> So we just ditched it over. No, I don't think we don't know where it is. I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably in trouble. We'll be handling government watching how, this. How, how, how good will it be if you go back this year, next year, and it's still sat there somewhere? It wasn't. Uh, it, it was in a co-op car park, but I left oh, it. <laughs> I was bearing in mind I wasn't even eighteen. I was seventeen year old when I was doing this. Wow! Like only just past my driving. Yeah. Test, I was the youngest ever competitor to the TT. I was like 18 and three months, I think I was. There's an accolade. Yeah. yeah. No, I was the youngest. I was the youngest ever. I was I turned 18 in February. TT starts in May, so like yeah. 18 and three months. Or is like. there an age limit for for 18? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't get much. Don't get much closer. And and the way it works at the TT, usually people have to go and do like the Manx before. Yeah. So the chances of someone ever ever beating that is is pretty slim, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Luckily for me, uh, I didn't want to do the Manx, but because I was racing in British Championship in BSB and I was running in the top 10 in that, right. it was kind of like a direct, yeah, yeah, he's going to be good enough. So I passed yeah. into that. The door opened into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have to go through the, through the Manx, which I do think, uh, to be honest, I think now there should be a rule that everyone goes through the Manx, which is like uh, the one below the TT. Obviously, it's still the same course and whatever, yeah. but... You know, you're only allowed 600 cc there. You're not allowed to go there and ride a, a thousand straight away. Yeah, yeah. You get you get guys coming in now and riding thousand cc bikes straight into the TT. Never never seen the bikes mm. in the nicest way possible. We're dead by the end of practice week um, because we've been pushed. We've been pushed to go straight into the TT um, by sponsors or whatever. And they haven't given themselves time to learn Felt the that course. Pressure. Yeah, yeah. So. But for me, it was it was the right option because I felt where I was at the time, I was running top ten in, in BSB, and me personally, whether other people thought it or not, I think if I went to the Manx, I'd have a lot of pressure on my shoulders to win as a newcomer, mm. which a lot of other people have done. They've gone to the Manx and won as a newcomer, yeah. and then gone straight up to TT. Yeah. But I didn't want that pressure. I just wanted to yeah. go and, and learn the track at my own own pace at the back of the TT. Yeah. And and do it that way, and uh, and I think it worked out quite well. So. Yeah. It would be nice to hold that trophy, but there's a lot of risk involved as well. And 
someone that's 18 year old you don't want that pressure of having to go on a race as dangerous as that and actually try and win because you just want to go and learn no absolutely TT being the youngest rider was quite a, an accomplishment obviously um, and you've got loads of exciting things coming up the helmet and the auction we're going to put the links up and everything to that to make sure that we everybody if they want to have a look at it and they want to get a bid on on it and have a look at it absolutely we'll get that up and um, so Pals Battalion We'll get the links up to them and everything as well. Um, that's sort of a, a different aspect, you know. You've you've chose to help, and you, when you put the, the the call out for sponsorship, and, and they contacted you, where does mental health sit with you? What's what's brought you on that journey to wanting to help people? What's your connection to it? If you don't mind us asking, if we yeah. want to. Well, it started um, at the end of uh, 2018. Um, and like, as I said, I was still young at that time. I was uh, 19 year old. Um, I'd just done my second TT and um, I was at a race called the Silver 100. And not going into too much detail, but I was involved with a bit of an incident um, and, and someone that I knew quite well uh, got killed. Wow. And I saw um, everything, stuff that, you know, a human. In the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stuff that a, 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 a human shouldn't see, really. Uh, but, you know, that, that, that's the. Uh, that's the thing with road racing. It happens all the time, and uh, you, you've got to accept it and move on. And, and uh, that's what I did. Uh, I buried it and uh, mm. went on to the next race and the next race and the next race. Um, I didn't think I had any any issues or whatever. You did um, the typical bloke thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I buried it. I buried it down inside. Said I was fine. Yeah. Like what was on my helmet. Um, you know, after the race, and people mentioned about you know. Like, are you okay? And I was just like, yeah, 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 fine. You know, put on a big brave mm. face. I'm a big hard man, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, which, which is all right. You know, you can do that, but eventually it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. Um, and so went on to the next race, the next race, the next race. And as soon as everything had finished, um, it was the end of the season, mm-hmm. and you, you get like a like a bit of a crash because everything's finished. No more adrenaline. Yeah. Nothing know. to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Y- y- you go right. I've got I've got four months of nothing. Um, and then I started struggling, struggling with stuff, um, stuff, you know, I, stu- I didn't know it at the time, but yeah. eventually when I went, went to the doctors, um, I went to see a psychologist, I had something called PTSD, which yeah. is po- uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was made up by a doctor just to put a label on mm. me feeling a bit weird. Um, I think it was just for soldiers and, yeah. and people yeah, yeah, yeah. been to war. Yeah. Um, but but that thing is that, that that's true. It's a condition that people have when it's a bit of a shock to the system, a shock to your body. Um, yeah. And I was struggling through the night. I used to wake up in the middle of the night, uh, replaying things that had happened yeah. <laughs> in my head. Yeah. And uh, I had stuff called sleep paralysis. Okay. Where I'd you, you'd you'd wake up, but you weren't actually awake, and you'd be seeing things. Wow! Yeah, and it was horrible. It was horrible, and that's when I first decided, right, I need to, I need to go to the doctors because I was awake all night, like not able to sleep, thinking about stuff. Yeah, and every time I would fall asleep, I'd be having nightmares. So I'd be awake all night. Soon as sun comes up, yeah. Soon as sun comes up, this is the time when uh, I wasn't actually working. Mm. I I actually that year I made a bit of money out of my but the only year ever, and I wasn't actually working at the time. Um, so I used to. Once the racing had finished, I wasn't training or anything. I used to just lie in bed all day sleeping mm. because of the problems that I was having yeah. through the night. Yeah. Um, and that was uh, that was about the, the lowest. That was about as really bad as it got. But um, yeah, I went went to the doctors and got help instantly. They put you on tablets, which yeah. is um, I've come to uh, come to realize that isn't real. Um, we went to the doctors and, uh, and and got help. Instantly, they put you on a, a an antidepressant, which is supposed to help. But after two months of taking it, you realise it, it's put you in a worse place than what you were mm. before. And energy levels. Yeah, n- not only are you still depressed, you're also low, extremely low on energy as well. Yeah. And now you depend on something <laughs> every day, even though it's not making you feel any better. Mm. You, you think that taking this this tablet's going to make you feel a bit better, but it doesn't. Um, so then I went to see a, an actual psychologist. We, well, my family paid a lot of money for, um, and it helped a little bit. Right, it helped a little bit. Um, Was that talking therapy or what? It, uh, it was actually a, a, a full site. I, I don't really know. It was talking therapy. Yeah. Um, every week I had an hour with him okay. for 
about three or four months because when when I started getting really depressed, I actually stopped racing completely. Right. I said I'd had enough of, of racing and we didn't start again the next year. So I had like over 12 months out of, mm. of racing completely. Um, so I did a lot of this talking therapy with a psychologist and it helped. But the main thing um, from him, I, I actually got diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome as well. Right. Which is, uh, if anyone doesn't know, it's like being on the autism spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't mean I'm like a, yeah, it's a high functioning autism. Yeah. So I struggle with some things and some things I, I excel at yeah. and, and whatnot. But it also um, can affect your mental health quite a lot as well. Right. Um, a lot of people that have Asperger's syndrome also suffer with other mental health disorders. Um, so that was the best thing that I found out about myself, really. I'd realised why I'd been feeling some of these ways when I thought it might, you know, earlier on in my life, thought it might have been some mental health issues, but it wasn't. It was just, just the just Asperger's that. syndrome, yeah, just yeah. struggling with certain scenarios and whatnot. Um, so that was the best thing I found out. But then, to be honest, with the way I was feeling at, at the time, I didn't personally feel like just talking to someone was going to make me any better. The best, the, the main thing uh, that helped me was a routine again. Yeah. Um, and I'd spent over 12 months doing nothing other than, you know, eating, sleeping, going to bed. And taking your tablets. Yeah, taking my tablets. I, I ended up getting a job um, and started going to work and whatnot, but it was it was a, it was was a an awful time. I was drinking quite a lot. Mm. Um, not, I wouldn't say I was an alcoholic, but... You know, it, it was one of them, one of them things. You know, yeah. every night, few beers, few beers, and it was that's the worst thing for you. Don't get me wrong, I like a beer now and again when I go out. When I, you know, in the right way. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but that's not to solve your issues. No. You go out, you're already happy with your life, and you yeah. go out for a beer for a laugh. Yeah, I think if you're sad and you need alcohol to make you cool. feel a little bit better, then that's when the biggest problem is. Yeah. It's amazing how quick something that makes you happy like that what you're yeah. saying because like we say when everything's good in your life going out and having a couple of beers with the lads and you know because then you're chatting you everybody yeah. does it you go to the house things ah yeah it's all right you have a couple of beers and you sort of share stuff but it's amazing how quickly that the the relationship with alcohol turns yeah. when when you're in that low point i've spoken about this like my i had the same thing my relationship with alcohol absolutely nose died like as you can like like you've said like i dj full-time for a living and i'm always around that environment and yeah, it's yeah. so hard to separate sometimes yeah. But until you've been in a situation like you have, yeah. uh, where, but the important thing is you identified that yeah. and you went, I, "This isn't the best idea for yeah. me," you know. And um, I think I think after that, I did I did probably nearly nearly two years without touching a, a drop of alcohol at yeah, all. When you realise that, like I say, I wasn't an alcoholic, but you just relied on a couple of beers every night to perk yourself up and feel yeah. a bit and feel a bit better. Yeah. Um, so now I've just kind of. I wouldn't say I, I forced myself to, but, you know, if you have a bad race or you've had a bad day, the one thing I won't do is go for a beer to make yeah. it feel better. Because it's in the wrong scenario. Yeah, you, I, I'll only have go out drinking now if it's either to celebrate something yeah. or, as you say, it's a planned evening with your, yeah, with yeah. your pals or whatever or, or something like that. It's a good place to be in, mate. That, yeah. that, is a, that is a really good place to be in. Coming from, like what you said, where you were you were using it as a bit of a masking, a coping yeah. mechanism to, to kind of get you through those feelings, I think... To, to now identify that and, and yeah. only use it in that way is, is great. So, obviously, it was quite a traumatic experience which brought that on, that led, led to the PTSD. Um, you went through the therapy. I mean, how, how did how did things get better? Obviously, there, were, there was a turning point in this for you. You went back to racing yeah. uh, and, and things were feeling better. Since, since you've got back on the horse we'll say back on the bike you know how's how's life and the mental health and and, and coping with the diagnosis of the Asperger's yeah. been been since that for you yeah so uh, so I did about I'd say about 11 12 months I had no racing completely but it was at the back end of um sorry the first step was talking about it yeah, reali yeah. realizing that I've got a problem but yeah then I went to the doctors and I don't don't get me wrong if you're struggling speak up if you go to the doctors that's probably the best place yeah or speak to your family or, yeah. or whatever but, but, but the first thing is to open up uh, uh, about your problems and there's a quote that gets thrown about you know it's okay not to be okay mm. yeah which is fine but it's not okay to stay that way no you know and uh, it was actually uh, my good friend and sponsor that, that, that told me about that and he said he didn't like that quote that's thrown around on social media saying it's okay to not be okay yeah because it's not okay to not be okay. You need to solve it. Yeah, yeah. 
So it's okay, it's okay to, to identify yeah, it's that it's okay to okay. identify it, but when you go, right, I'm not okay right now, I need to get things better, whether that's going to talking therapy yep. or, or uh, you know, doing whatever. And what well, The main thing that helped me was after that 12 months of not doing anything, mm-hmm. I realised how much I missed motorbike racing. Yeah. And in the way I was at that time, you know, I'd got a, a boring job and blah de blah de blah In my head and to a lot of other people, I was done. There was no way I was ever going back racing again. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just it was just not a thought in my head. I hadn't ridden a bike in over twelve months and mm. it was just it was just done. Like it just wasn't gonna happen. How did that make you feel? At the time, um I, I just accepted it. I thought I've done I've done this now, and yeah. you know, we'll just we'll just move on um, and and try and find something else. And mm. I've said I've said it before. I tried everything, like everything. I tried mountain biking. I tried kayaking. I tried what else did I try? You know, go karting and golf. I bought a load of golf clubs and whatnot. Went and played golf once. Took up a few golf this courses. Is shite. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I don't know anybody who can kayak at 180 miles per hour. <laughs> but that'd be I quite tr- cool to watch. <laughs> I tried everything and nothing was just any interest in yeah. to me. The only thing that I had any interest in any interest in was motorbike racing. Yeah. yeah. And and that was any form of motorbike racing, whether it was racing the TT, whether it was doing short circuits, whether it was doing a bit of motocross, pit biking, supermotor, all all I've ever wanted to do yeah, is, yeah. is ride motorbikes. And I was in a really, really low place. Um I'm not going into too much detail, but I was as low as you can get. Yeah, yeah really really bad mm. for uh, for about three months and the only thing uh that resurrected me if you like and got me back to it was a routine mm-hmm. and decided one day um it was actually after a few beers um and the tt came up on the tv in the pub, pub that i was at and i don't know something injected in me yeah then like actually i don't want to be this guy that's back sat here with Estella. You know what I mean? I do. I, I don't want to yeah. be this guy. I don't want to go and work. I don't want to go and work a nine to five. I don't want to yeah. go to the pub after work. Don't suit everyone. And, 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 and talk crap with Tom, Dick and Harry. I want to yeah. be a motorbike racer. I want to go and travel around the world doing what I want to do. So I got a taxi home. <laughs> got up the next morning at mm-hmm. six o'clock. Went straight to the gym. I haven't been to the gym in 12 months. To be honest, I can't remember if I went to the gym or I went cycling. I did one of the two. Yeah. Sma- it's a smash training. Just solidly. Just dived um, into it. Yeah, got 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 back into shape, and then me and my dad went and did a did a club race somewhere, and I think I ended up winning that. Right after like twelve months off, and uh, and, and that's how I got back into. Thing, just having that must have been a great feeling though, going back into that first yeah. meet, that first race, and yeah. just smashing that and, we, and winning yeah, that. We didn't just go. Like I say, I I, I trained for like yeah, yeah, six yeah. seven yeah, yeah. weeks, and, and and just decided, look, I don't want to do any. Put your of that focus anymore. to it. Yeah. And, and got up every morning at the exact same time every morning. Yeah. Went to the gym at the exact same time. Did everything like that and yeah. got a routine back into your life. Because yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people that, that struggle with depression and stuff, yeah, it makes you want to stay in bed all mm. day and, and not do anything. But once you're up and actually do something... Take those wins actu- as well. Yeah, you're actually all right. It's not as bad as what it seems. Mm. Um, and as you know, we said in the beginning, it's taking that first step. And realizing yeah, actually, yeah. I'm not okay. Yeah. And it's not okay to stay not okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So just whatever it takes, whether it's talking or doing something that you enjoy, whether that's golf, I don't know, walking, hiking. Yeah. It anything. can be anything, can't it? As long as it's giving whatever. you that that yeah. self sense of satisfaction yeah. and that you're achieving something with yeah. your day. Whatever and lights you up. Yeah. I mean, it, it's great and absolutely loved hearing that. That just that. One moment sat in a pub and you just went, no, th- this this changes now. Yeah. And you just went home in a taxi, got up the next morning, yeah. trained, and then, boom, you put all your ducks in a row, so yeah. to speak. And, you know... Sometimes you, you, you live in this... Um I don't know what it is. Just going from going from A to B, not thinking about stuff, and that's that's where I was. Yeah, I yeah. just accepted that's what I was doing now. Just doing. I think that's where a lot of people struggled over coronavirus. Where yeah. They, where they, they they weren't going to work, they weren't doing this, they weren't doing that. Life wasn't normal. It wasn't their routine, and that routine got fucking thrown out a window. Yeah. yeah. And people were going, well, I don't need to do that. So what I'll do is I have a lie-in on for the first two days, maybe a week. I was like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's ten o'clock. I'm having a beer, <laughs> um, but only on holiday. That's <laughs> only, only allowed. That's only allowed if you're fifteen hundred mile away from home. Yeah. <laughs> Say like in Macau in a couple of weeks. <laughs> 
Well, there's um, a time difference, so we're allowed it earlier than that. <laughs> Five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think those those routines are really important to 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 people in general. I think I think most people will say, "Ah, oh, bloody hate routine. I'd love to." I think most people would resent not having a bit of a routine in it. Well, we've spoke about this. Like my my weekends are non-stop. Yeah. It's like I'm here tonight doing this, then I'm in. Leeds Uni tomorrow night doing a yeah. big student night. I'm, I'm off in Leeds DJ on Saturday. I've got a big gig on Sunday as well. But then Monday comes. Have we got an invite to this you, big Anytime you want, mate. You can come come along to me with a gig anytime you Hold want. Hold on a minute. Albert Agent, you can go to his gig. I'll come to Macau. All uh, oh, right, okay. Is that what you're doing? Pete's busy. So you can't come. I'm out. <laughs> Love how I'm too busy for that. But yeah, so my weekends are like really regimented because I. I Similar to yourself, I have it in my head where I hate being late for anything. I have a real thing in my head where, like, if I've got to be somewhere at six o'clock, I'm contemplating, and it can be 30 minutes away, at two o'clock, my bag's packed and I'm ready to go out there because I hate mm. being late for anything and I'm regimented. And, and, like, last week I was trying to go to a gig and there was roadworks and the M62 was shot and it absolutely chuffed me off. And I was like, I still had plenty of time to get there, but I was, like, stressed that I wasn't there as early as I'd like to be. Yeah, it's pretty simple. But then Monday rolls around. And because I don't really have anything to do on a Monday, you sit there and you go, what am yeah. I doing? You know, and it, so I get it. And like, and having a routine and something to concentrate on is yeah. so important. And it, and it just, it keeps that spark in you yeah, going. Yeah, and that is something that is, is great advice really is it having is, yeah. something to concentrate on. And I've, I, I've got a, a, a friend who I've, who I've sort of known and, and worked with in the past who, who, who's also got Asperger's. Now, what, what, what he can do is hyper-focus on certain things and really, really just not concentrate yeah. on others. He's like, he's like, wow, where with fairies? And you're like, do you want to do this? And he goes, fucking right. And he just, that's mm. it. That's his laser focus. Yeah. But if it's not, if, if it's not his laser focus, it's not, it's, it's not a, a thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it's got its benefits and it's got its... Uh, to be honest, I, t- I try not to w- think too much about it. There's not really any difference now no, no. from when I first got first got diagnosed because I'd already lived, you know, 20 years yeah. w- before yeah. I got diagnosed. So afterwards, I was just like... Oh. At least you know what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad I found out, but nothing changed. Yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. changed with yeah. family, really, either. But it's, it's just the same thing. Okay. You know, sometimes um, no one really, really changes anything, but... Sometimes certain things make you a bit anxious and mm. a bit a bit pissed off. But when when things change last minute, and uh, yeah, as yeah. you know, if you know about the the condition, that's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. you know, if you say a little bit like what you said, if something's planned for for five o'clock, yeah, and then before that something changes, even if it's later, yeah, even yeah. if it's later, you're like. Yeah. Y- your brain can't comprehend yeah. that you've Even got to do something in between yeah. this. You're like, yeah. no. So I'm doing something in 10 hours and you want me to do a 20-minute task at some point in yeah. between this. That's just not going to happen today, yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah, that, that, that's what you feel. You feel like you've, been, you've got to fill a bit of a, yeah. a, bit of a gap. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it's just one of them. I can't just go, you know. Sometimes I have to force myself to have like a, a complete day off, you know, because mm. I train like seven, eight times a week yeah. and I work five days a week as well. So that's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of work. When I'm away racing, obviously I'm not working. But, um, I, you know, if I've had a long weekend racing and I'm not doing anything, not working on that Monday, I'll just say, right, Joe, you're staying at home. Yeah. You're going to watch, you're going to watch a box set. You're going to do that. You're going to unpack your bags. You're going to clean your levers, yeah. you know, do all that stuff that you don't The wanna, admin. Yeah. yeah. You just, just force yourself to do that. But if I don't do the stuff like cleaning the levers and going down to the workshop and taking the flies off the bike or something, mm. I feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this lazy guy just, just laid in bed all day watching, yeah. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, watching Piggy Bike. You've got to t- tick them <laughs> lists off though, aren't you? Yeah. And it's important to do that because otherwise it builds up. It's just another day and then you yeah. look at it and it becomes a bigger task the yeah, next day because yeah. you're like, oh, I didn't do that yesterday. Mm. The job's no bigger. But you're like you're looking at. Oh, I didn't do that yesterday. Yeah. I I feel exactly the same. Sometimes it's just just writing things down. You know, the night before, right? I'm I'm not doing anything tomorrow, but I need to do this, 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 and this. Mm. And, and you know, take yeah. an hour. Doing I love it. a physical list. Yeah, my missus does. Not the does. phone. I don't like the phone list. No, <laughs> write it down yeah. so that you can actually tick yeah. something yeah. off. Sometimes I write stuff that wasn't on there that I've done. Yeah, just, just so, so, so I, that you've done so something. Just so I can tick yeah. it. <laughs> Just so I can tick it off because it's an ach- it's an achievement. After I'm not that. into a Definitely. list because mine are never written by me. They're written by the wife, <laughs> and it's always jobs that I really don't want to be doing. Ironing? No. Oh, that's all right. Tiling <laughs> a floor, 
doing a garage. You should employ what I do. It's like, if I've said I'm going to do it, love, you don't need to remind me every six months. <laughs> That's but yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's great though that, you know, it, we, we've heard the good and the bad since doing this podcast. And I don't think there is, really can't say that, I don't think there's any bad. Um, everyone's on a journey. Everyone's on, on, on a mission to, to better their lives, to, to get through. Um, at the end of the day, nobody gets out of this alive, do they? No, no. And, and we've just got to make the most out of it here. But I'm I'm so glad that you've come on and and shared your story. And obviously, from from where you were to now, obviously, as you explained in the beginning of the podcast, you know, there's been a great couple of years since you've come out of this, yes. and the, the achievements are starting to pile up for you. And yeah. now we're looking forward to going to Macau yeah. in a couple of weeks. After that, what what's coming up for you? What's on the horizon? Where's the goals looking at for the next couple of years for you, Joe? Yeah, well, just just bef- before what you were saying about, you know, I don't think uh, any experience in life is actually bad. Yeah. Mm. You know, everyone... Learning uh, opportunities. Yeah, everyone goes through things and, mm. you know, there isn't a great deal that I would change. You yeah, know, yeah. Now, obviously, yeah, you don't want to feel that way and you don't want to do some of the stuff that you've done, but everything... You learn a lesson from everything and realise, you, you know... You feel I felt as low as I could ever feel, and I don't think I could ever feel that bad again. Yeah, you know, and and now you've got um, you've got things in your head. If you're starting to feel that way, like at the time I didn't know when I was starting mm. to, starting to drop like that, and then suddenly you're you're at the bottom and you think there's yeah, no way yeah, out. Yeah. But where where is now? Because you've been there, um, you can kind of notice these signs mm. um, and do something about them before got tools in your toolbox yeah, to deal yeah. with it. You can um, realize that you know, things uh, are taking a downward spiral and you can work on them, whatever that is. Yeah. Everyone needs to find their own uh, coping yeah. mechanisms. Agree with that. Mine yeah. won't work for you and probably won't work for no, you. No, no. But it might work for some for someone out there that's, you know, maybe the motorbike community, yeah. if, if you listen to this, because no one speaks about it. Everyone's too scared at the moment. Uh, and uh, that's why I'm opening up about it. And, yeah. um, and Credit with like that. The, the, the paddock, um, especially like the road racing and stuff, it's proper... Sort of proper man's, yeah, proper yeah, yeah. man's paddock, and which is understandable. That's the way it's been for hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, but everyone still has problems, um, yes. and you know, maybe my coping mechanisms will work for some people. Maybe they won't. But you know, I know what works for me. Yeah. And uh, I, c- I can cope with them now. So there's not really any bad. No, and and you've had to go through what you've gone through to know what your coping mechanisms yes. are. Yeah. And, exactly. And, and exactly. that's them. That's them lessons. It's yeah. it's. It's having that experience, but learning that pathway yeah, back exactly. from it. It's like it's just like everything I refer to in life is similar to like motorbike racing. Yeah, it's all up and down, all mm. struggles. You have some lows, you have some massive highs. Yeah, yeah. You have a massive high, and then suddenly you can't beat that again. Yeah, literally mm. like with your with your with your personality as well. Yeah, you know you've you've been down there, and you've been up here, and then when you're here, you want to be here. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I do. Yeah. It's always the same. Everything in life seems to be. I can refer to, to back to motorbike racing and um, as the same everyone everyone makes mistakes you've got to learn from mistakes you crash out of races you make silly mistakes in the in the wet and stuff like that yeah. and, and you learn from them and, uh, it's a great metaphor them yeah yeah I think it is I think there's a lot to be learned from from life and from your racing yeah. experience yeah, yeah. as well isn't yeah. there yeah. yeah taking that positive attitude yeah. from the track into into home yeah. life as well yeah I think that's commendable yeah absolutely so, yeah, I mean, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you, Joe. Thanks so much for opening up, sharing your story with us and your journey through life as well, not just in your, in your racing career, but, but personally as well. It's nice of you to open up. It's, I think it's great that people can, can see that they're listening and that, you know, everybody from all different jobs, all different walks of life, no matter what you do, you know, mm. sometimes things affect us in different ways and, you know, there are ways out and it's good to see that somebody's come out of it really, really positively. I mean... As you said in the beginning, you're off to Macau in a couple of weeks uh, for the GP. What's what's on the horizon after that? What what's positive that you've got coming up? Yeah, well, M- M- Macau's a great event. We go in there in in three weeks. I think we leave on the the sixth of November, uh, and we're there for I think it's just over two weeks. So that's a, that's a great event, and that that kind of finishes our season there. Mm-hmm. And we've got about three months of nothing, which. He's a bit hard for someone like me, as we've talked. Yeah. So I try and keep yeah. myself as, as busy as possible, you know, dive into my training, uh, do mountain biking and do all different stuff just, just to keep you busy, keep mm-hmm. you uh, keep you ticking over. But the plan next year is, uh, it's not in place yet. Uh, still talking to a few sponsors and 
trying to get some things finalised. But I'd like to do a full season of BSB yeah. in the British Championship on the R1. That'd be in awesome. the, yeah, in the thousand CC class, um, and then just the TT and selected road races, one or two other other national events. Yeah, um, and that's the plan. It, it, it costs a lot of money to do to do BSB. I mean, but it, does. it costs a lot of money anyway doing yeah. what we're doing. But you've almost got to find everything again you've almost got to double what you're already spending to do mm. a full season at BSB but it's the best place to be you're riding with some of the best riders in the world you get the most track time you know you're out on the bike all the time week in week out and if you want to be successful at the TT you know the proof's in the pudding the top five or six people at the TT a BSB week yeah. in week out yeah and and that's the way it is and you know to be honest probably the top 10 yeah and I do believe if I get that kind of time on the bike, you know, at BSB every weekend, but we'll be there or thereabouts. And it's just what I've been lacking the last the last couple of years, mainly down to budget and um, just teams that I've been with and, you know, didn't want to go to BSB and whatnot. But I think if we can get that all penciled in and, uh, and sort some sponsorship out from a few different people... Uh, we'll be in BSB full time and, and, and making a really big comeback on the roads as well. It'd be wicked to see you there, mate. Yeah. Big time. It'd be great. I mean, I, I'm eagerly awaiting to see an announcement for you at BSB next year because you can count on us being there. Yeah. We'll, de- we'll be waving at you going, uh, yeah, we're going to let us in. It, it's, it's good as well for me, obviously. Uh, been been a local yad, lad to York and, and, and Selby and whatnot. Um, me just going doing all the races in Macau, that's Hong Kong. Isle of Man, you have to cross yeah. water. Yeah, Northern yeah. Ireland, you have to cross water. Yeah. And um, the only place you can really go and see me race is, is Oliver's Mount. And usually yeah. the weather's terrible there. <laughs> so, no, so no one really wants to go. So if I do a full season of BSB, you've got chance to meet all the people yeah. that support you and, and, and follow you and whatnot. And they can come into the paddock as well. It's not restricted like some of the other races. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you can get in. And, and on and TV as well. Yeah, well it's, on, it's on Yeah, TV, Eurosport. But yeah. More, more of a personal thing. You get you get to meet everyone that's commenting on all your your pictures and likes. It's and always good to give a little something back, yeah, I suppose, exactly, isn't it? Exactly. It's a good way to to interact with them and like I say, come and watch your race. You know, there's there's a lot of people that that follow me and and and, and support me, but have never actually seen me race in the flesh. We've only yeah. seen it on on telly or on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. So it, it's a good thing. I, I think we will be doing that. As I say, just a, a couple of little things that we need to finalise with a few people and then. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's great. We wish you all the best with your. Once again, thank you very much for coming on here, mate. Can you talk and uh, and sharing with us? And we wish you all the best for the future uh, with your racing and personally as well. And, uh, and hope everything works out for you for next year. Uh, we will put up on the screen all the links to uh, Pals Battalion uh, and everything as well for your helmet. We'll yep. make sure we get that out yep. and hope or share. It raises a lot of money for them through the auction that you've got going on at the moment. Uh, so once again, thank you very much. Uh, I've been Pete Owen. And I'm Andy Cavell. Once again, thanks a lot, guys. Joey Thompson. And thank yeah. you very much for having me. I just thought I'd put that in there. You know, no one ever does that. No one ever puts their own in there. Just sit there and go, I'm done now. They've stopped asking me questions. It's all right. Cheers, Joey. Right, thanks a lot, any, mate. If you need any help with anything, if you've got any trouble problems, Joey Thompson TT on Twitter, Joey Thompson TT on Instagram. If you follow racing, go and have a look. And, yeah. Uh, Super. Awesome. He's, you can tell he's done podcasts yeah, before, can't you? He smashed and, it. And we've never done a, a famous. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. It's um, it's really good. Just 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 before we we clock off, I I've followed Joey on 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 Facebook. I think it is for a for a couple of years, and and some of the stuff he puts up there, he puts loads of content on there. So. Yeah, it's definitely worth worth kind of following on his, his journey and stuff. It's yeah, we'll definitely cool. support you all the way, mate. Thanks a lot, man. Thank it's been a pleasure. Thank you. See you again. Thank Cheers, you. buddy.